Hi everyone, welcome to Let's Talk Mercedes, the podcast by Mercedes-Benz. This is all about exciting topics like mobility, innovation, technology and much more. To open up new perspectives and to gain deeper insights, we meet experts from inside Mercedes-Benz and experts from all over the world. My name is Sarah Elsa, I'm your host and I'm looking forward to discovering the latest news and trends with you. So thank you for listening and now let's talk Mercedes. Germany in 1959. The average petrol price was 63 German pence. Trendy women wear full skirts and a historic test takes place in Sindelfingen, the first crash test in the history of Mercedes-Benz. A lot has changed since then, not only in systematical safety tests of cars, but also in the field of driver assistance systems themselves. Well, What the latest generation of these features looks like, why swarm intelligence is important in terms of safety and which world premiere the new S-Class will offer. That's what we're talking about in our second special on the S-Class. If you missed the first part of our special about the new MBUX, simply click into episode four. And now let's start right away. Let's talk Mercedes with Christoph von Hugo and Oliver Töne. Hi, welcome. Hi, hello, Sarah. Hi, nice to be here. Before we talk about new features, their development, and the new world premiere feature of the S-Class, I'd like to give our listeners a short introduction of your professional background. Christoph, you're a senior manager, active safety. If you had to describe your job in a tweet, what would you write? Oh, it would be quite short. I'd just say it's, it's all about saving lives. <laughs> and maybe you can explain a little bit further the active safety part. I don't know if everyone knows what active safety stands for? Sure. Active safety is uh, what's trying to prevent accidents from actually happening. So we are distinguishing between active and passive. Passive means everything that happens after a crash or that tries to, to make sure that crashes actually don't end uh, severely. In active safety, we try to prevent crashes from happening in the first place. And that's basically what driver assistance systems are all about. Now I think everyone understands what active safety stands for. Oliver, you are a program director of the S-Class. If I want to do your job, which skills must I have and which tasks do I have to take on? Oh, first of all, you should have a big interest in the in the project itself, so in cars. Uh, you should have fun uh, working with suppliers, uh, having a great team, coordinating sales and marketing, after-sales teams, the quality teams. You would be a lot in the production to just see how the production matures itself. So you should have a wide variety of interests. I'm impressed. I'm not sure if I could do your job. <laughs> so I'm happy to have you here with me. First of all, I've got a little challenge for you. I, I read out some lines and I like you to finish them. So don't worry, it's not a testing of literature or biology knowledge. It's just about safety. So everything will, will work out. So... First line, in my opinion, the most important innovation in safety technology to date is? Well, if, if I were to start, I'd, I'd go with uh, the electronic stability control, um, ESC or ESP, as it's, it's uh, called in, in Germany. And that's a pretty good, a pretty cool feature that has saved a lot of lives already out there. Yeah, good one. Um, Oliver, what's your favorite Second to the ESP, but as Christoph has burned that one, uh, I would uh, say the overall integration uh, has made a huge difference. To have an ESP, but also a body in white uh, that has a lot of um, additional um, stability to the car. And so if you take all the stuff we put in, it's the overall package that's very impressive. 
So you just underlined your uh, your profession. <laughs> You're the guy who has the overview. <laughs> Now I'm curious about your um, estimation of the probability of the vision. So let's go with number three. Vision, mission zero, a world without traffic fatalities is. Um, and I'll better stop myself here before giving too much away. <laughs> The ultimate goal that we are striving for every day when we go to work. Sounds like a great vision, but um, is it really a realistic one, Oliver? Oh, that's that's a hard one. Uh, first of all, you have to look. There are so many factors out there which are relevant. Uh, the age of the car population, different countries, and of course, nobody can beat physics. And um, But what I think is true is we put a lot of effort in improving the situation actively, passively. And so step by step, I do see uh, we could come close to that vision. And um, yeah, who can predict the future anyway? So let's see. Uh, Christoph, you already mentioned it, but maybe you can describe it a little bit more. Is that kind of your purpose and a vision which drives you and your team every day? It, it definitely is. Um, what we do... Uh, Lots of times we, we are looking at what, what are the accidents that actually happen out on the streets, try to, to look at real life safety, um, ex actually do accident research and, and look at what accidents look like, what happens and what we as engineers might have been able to do to prevent that accident or to make it um, be less severe for the passengers. Uh, so that's what we are striving for every day, then looking at what has happened in the past and how can we make sure that this is not going to happen again in the future. And we come up with great new ideas not all of them make it to the car uh, sometimes it's just uh, from engineers to engineers but a lot of times we come up with crazy stuff that actually helps uh, people in real life traffic situations and that's a good point um, let's let's dive in deep into our uh, topic today if we have a look at the statistics we're actually headed in the right direction the number of traffic fatalities is decreasing today we've got a high quality as you said uh, Christoph of vehicle safety um, my question is from this point on point on is it just an optimization of features or are there still new ways to reinvent safety i'd i'd say it's both um, a lot of the things can be done better so we are continuously improving uh, and optimizing the systems we already have try to increase their performance make them um, work at, at all different kinds of uh, traffic situations but sometimes it's also totally new things um, let me just mention one thing uh, that's called uh, um, pre-safe uh, sound something that we invented to actually protect uh, the passengers hearing Uh, something that nobody ever thought about before. Uh, so it, it was not about the typical injury, injuries you, you think about, but hearing is an important part. So, so we tackled that one. So yes, yes, there's absolutely new innovations coming up, but uh, at the same end, never, never stop uh, at what you've been doing before and try to improve that one as well. From our... Uh, 360 degrees uh, approach man, Oliver, <laughs> what do you say? Are there still a lot of um, points you can, you can, uh, yeah, you can start thinking or is it really more like there are so many things invented already. It's, it's hard to find new ways. 
No, I, I think if you once witnessed a, a real crash test being conducted, it's, it's just very impressive what the engineering team is doing there, how, how they're trying to have a camera on every single aspect of this crash and to understand every detail. And then they look at the past and see how do real accidents out there in real life happen and to map those. And, and you see like in every evolution step, there's a, again innovation and a new added feature that simply improves. And so I think this this general attribute of never never stop improving also on this field is is absolutely true. So I do have full trust there in the engineering teams that they come up with always new ideas. Yeah? I really love your attitude. I mean, you're sitting here and you're saying, yeah, there's so much more to do. We can do more. Um, and I really wonder um, how you do it. I mean, for me, it's kind of a chicken egg question. Do you start thinking about the problem and then you try to solve it with the right technology? Or do you look at the technology first and then think about the possibilities to solve safety issues? I think it's both, right? Like, um, like I said, like if you, if you, if you just crash the car, uh, you see certain behavior of materials, of, uh, of, of doors, of the body and white forming, of the functioning of assistance systems, and that just gives you new inspiration. And then at the second point, you look at a real accident and try to understand every detail of it. And if you map those two things together, you then come up with a new idea. But I think, Christoph, like, like you do in your job uh, with the camera, uh, you always come with new ideas. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's uh, sometimes you hear about uh, accidents happening, and and then you start to think about what can be done about those. Uh, for example, you know the the biker that's uh, uh, biking along the um, the. Um, The street and somebody pulls his car over to the curb, opens uh, opens the door, and uh, then the biker runs into the door. Um, really typical accidents that happen all the time. So if you read something like that in the paper, and then you start thinking about, hey, what can I do about it? Uh, look, we've we've got sensors that look at that specific specific part of the road, and we could probably prevent the driver or the passenger from opening the door in the in the wrong moment. So that's when we tackle it really bottom up. But then sometimes you also see technology that's already available in the car or maybe in, in other parts uh, of, of indus other industries even. And you think about how could we use those in, in our specific uh, situations, uh, like uh, interior lighting in the car. You, know, you, you think about how might that help us in order to, uh, to give better, uh, more intuitive, understandable um, warnings to the driver, for example. So it's not only your department which is working on this topic. It's also, if I understand you right, you're working uh, with the IT department or how is it working? I mean, they sometimes have the latest technology first um, or how do you do it? Is it really just in your department? I think it's a system approach. You, you look at the car and you see, wow, we have a new ambient lighting or the ambient lighting in the car and it could just bring a further a use case into the car. And then one says, let's let's try to have some cyclist or pedestrian protection, blind spot monitoring, and you map the systems to each other. And um, yeah, that's something where uh, you come up with that idea and then you define someone for the system and they uh, start to, to design it as a feature. So you pointed out one thing. I, I'm not sure if it's clear for everyone. This is a new feature of the S-Class, which you described, right? 
Well, what we've just been talking about, for example, was just uh, using our ambient light uh, as, as a different mode for warning the driver in that case that I've described before. Uh, we call it the exit warning function. Um, it's part of our blind spot assist. So actually, if, if you're standing still and uh, you may not pay attention to whatever's happening on the left or right hand side of the car anymore and you just want to get out of the car, well, then you just open the door. But now um, the new S-Class will, will warn you in due time. It will actually detect when you're putting your hand close to the door handle it will illuminate certain parts of the of the car there's an also an uh, red warning triangle in the exterior mirror so that you will instantaneously know that something that you're doing is probably not not right and then you maybe turn around maybe you're too slow you're actually opening the door and then you'll get another audible warning so uh, all that is uh, designed to not only protect people in our cars, but also other people um, that are part of traffic, uh, of the overall traffic environment. So uh, we are really all about safety, not just in the car, but also outside of it. I love it because that's what I thought when I saw this triangle, the red one. And I think, yeah, I have to look into the exterior mirror to recognize it. And I love that you're thinking with all our senses. You're not only targeting to one sense, to our to our viewing, you're also targeting with the sound and what else to our every other senses. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about those features. And I already teased it in the intro, but now I want to talk about this really new world premiere feature of the S-Class. I would say it's a logical successor of one thing that goes hand in hand with the number 126. With this model series, Mercedes was the first manufacturer to mass produce the airbags for drivers in 1981. Six years later, the W126 got its next update, uh, upgrade, the airbag for the co-driver, and with the new S-Class. Right now, in 2020, Mercedes brings the airbag to the next level. Christoph and Oliver, tell us something about the, yeah, well, let's say new generation of airbags. Yeah, actually, in the new S-Class, uh, we'll, we'll have a world premiere, the first what we call frontal airbag um, on the rear row of the car. So um, there'll be an airbag that's integrated in the backrest of the driver and passenger seat. And maybe Oliver can tell you a little bit more about how that was done. Yeah, I think pretty early in the phase when we decided on the on the key elements of the S-Class, one safety innovation was to take this out of the science department, development department and bring it into serious production. And then a lot of effort was conducted by uh, integrating it and, and assuring its functionality in the car. Because first of all, you have to come from the customer who's sitting in the back and how is he sitting in the back. And based on that understanding, you then need to um, like fine-tune that the airbag uh, works appropriately. Because if you imagine you're sitting with a steering wheel in front, you have uh, to some extent a defined position uh, directly in front of the steering wheel. That's not true if you're sitting in the back. You could be reading a book, you could be leaning over. So the airbag needs to accommodate for those uh, different body positions you would encounter in a normal drive. If we think a little bit ahead and we think about the um, autonomous driving, I hope there are all, always people sitting in the back a lot of times. Um, but what I have to say, as I read that um, something about that new function, I really thought, this is so cool. But man, what? why did that take so long? I mean, I told you uh, right before that the first airbag for drivers was in series in, in the 80s and even 
for the co-driver. And now we have 2020. What took so long to invent that? Well, I'd, I'd say, first of all, you, you also have to gather some... Um, some real life experience with with the first generations of airbags and and uh, from that experience you can always start to uh, improve them uh, make them even better and the kind of airbag we now have in the on the rear seat is actually totally different from from everything we've had so far and simply from a from a production uh, manufacturing standpoint that it's it's not an easy one it's difficult to design it needs to be as oliver just mentioned it needs to be designed to be designed very specially for the rear seat. Uh, you have to put it into the seat in a different way than you've done it in the past. So there's lots of things to think about. And it also takes uh, different technology in manufacturing, in simulation, all those kind of things, of course, have evolved over the last years. And that's why now it's the, uh, the right point in time where we think uh, it's, it's not just feature counting, it's actually something that really helps to improve safety It's a good thing, in my opinion. Um, just a, a quick question uh, to that new airbag. Oliver, I don't think your uh, son needs it anymore, but a lot of people are driving with baby seats in the back. Is it also working or is it dangerous for the baby seats? Or not for the baby seats, but for the babies in it? <laughs> well, in fact, he's, Magnus is still driving in the baby seat because he's uh, two and a half. So uh, we uh, we changed the position. He's now also looking into the way we are driving. Um, but the airbag is specifically designed um, that it is not in conflict if you have a, a baby seat in the in the rear. Um, one of the most dangerous and frequent accident situations are at intersections. So the front airbag isn't always that helpful when someone ignores the right of way. Which safety improvement have you achieved with the new side airbags? Again, we try everything to prevent that accident from happening. That is uh, our ultimate goal, goal to start with. And we've actually done quite a lot of things to, to do that already in the past. And we'll take it one step uh, further with the new S-Class, of course, which means that if we enter into intersections and we see somebody taking our right of way, then we instantaneously calculate uh, whether it would be a good option to still try and break and thus prevent the accident from happening. So that's what we can actually do today. Um, And uh, it helps a lot of times. But uh, of course, uh, sometimes uh, it's just not an option anymore to, to break. Sometimes somebody shoots out uh, uh, from the side and you, you can't even see that one. And then you have to take other uh, safety measures. And of course, airbags are always a great, uh, great technology to do so. We'll, uh, we'll have um, side airbags. There's actually a new center airbag in the new S-Class. And you also can raise the car. Is that right? And Why is that a good function? <laughs> so um, we talked in the beginning about the body in white having a, a really important uh, element of, of passive safety. And uh, now with the new e-active body control, uh, there is an opportunity when the radar detects a, a site intruding object like a, or some uh, before coming crash, um, the car is elevated by up to eight centimeters. And in that case, uh, the car crashes into the side of the car, but at a more rigid structure of the car. And that is uh, helping to to evenly distribute the, the energy and thus protecting the, the passengers. I mean, it's really, it's for safety for sure. But I have the feeling I'm driving, when I drive the new S-Class, I'm sitting in kind of a, a super uh, hero car. They also have these these cool, these cool cars where you can lift up the car and do stuff like that. It sounds really like that. Um, maybe you can 
give us some insights in developing um, the features. I mean, Oliver, you also mentioned it before, you do some testings, but maybe you can describe, uh, describe it with one or two examples how you do it. I mean, do you do a lot of digital simulation and then you do the real-life testing or how is it really working? Maybe you can describe it with one or two examples. Yeah, I think... I mean, it's not my home field, but I give it a shot. I mean, in the in the crash development or in the safety development in the in the early phase, you do of course a lot of uh, digitalization. Uh, you use new tools to simulate crashes, to calculate energy uh, points of uh, critical uh, energy, and uh, then after all that is done, you still have to bring it to a real test. And uh, then those famous and everybody knows, I guess, those orange cars uh, specifically prepared for crash tests, uh, uh, those crash tests are conducted and, and then you do the mapping and the comparison, Christopher, between reality and simulation. That's, that's absolutely right. And, and the doors are always an integral part that we are looking at during the uh, crash test phase. Um, and, and also before that in simulations, and you see the door must fulfill a lot of functions, but it's difficult to design the door as rigid as, as the lower parts of the body. So how can we make sure that the other car hits that part of the structure? Well, we need to lift up the car. And then it's about, well, how could we do that? Hey, somebody has designed a new e-active body control suspension system. That one can actually do it in within tenth of a second. Uh, and, and there you go. Two different uh, disciplines in our development uh, team uh, brought together, design a new new innovation. So how good are those simulations working? I mean, if you think about it, um, to invent it, and then you really have to test it in real life. How good is the simulation and all the thinking before? I think it's not yet from simulation into factory, <laughs> even though uh, everybody wishes we, we get to that stage. But um, I think the simulation really allow you to, to strike out a lot of um, uh, implausible opportunities. And then you end up with one, two, three um, possible scenarios. And those one are then uh, prototyped and those prototypes are then brought to test. So um, it's to some extent also an iteration. So it's not like one test and done. So uh, there are different cycles yeah, depending on, on how big the task is. And I think it's it's part of our aspiration also as Mercedes-Benz to to always make sure that whatever we design, it's not just designed for uh, for press release or for for the engineers, as I said, but it's designed for real life. Uh, and if you want to make sure that it really does in real life what it's supposed to do, well, then test it out. Uh, that's what we do in crash tests and and a lot of other tests that we perform. Make sure in the end that it is really what you what you thought it would. Be um, and that it really helps people out there, um, either sitting in the car or actually crossing the street in front of the car. I personally remember for the uh, rear airbag, um, we did we had a few iterations and also changes to the design uh, on how we integrate it into the into the seat uh, facing the rear passenger and also to the to the power which is necessary to inflate it in time. And this were, were tests and fine-tuning just to meet, as Christoph said, our internal targets uh, and exceeding those so it really has a benefit. And that's maybe back to your question, why did it take so long? Uh, that's part of it, yeah? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm from the outside, so I just I ask the stupid questions everyone has maybe in its head, but I know it's really complex thing and it's so good that you give us so, so much insights about it um i mentioned in the intro that swarm intelligence is also important for safety features in every 
episode, we pick a recent headline to talk about. And this is the origin of my assumption, the um, swarm intelligence assumption. At the end of June, the newspaper Allgemeine Zeitung wrote an article with the headline, when cars talk to each other. It was about car-to-car -car communication and they described your cloud system at Mercedes um, and your cloud system approaches uh, a swarm intelligence that functions as an like added sensor which can look many miles ahead. And I think it's another very interesting feature you have in the new S-Class um, where we can experience that. And I think it's a big problem still on the German Autobahn, and I don't know why. <laughs> so maybe you can tell us something about the swarm intelligence of cars. Actually, there's there's a lot of facets when we talk about swarm intelligence, but um, to the one you've you've mentioned, yes, car-to-car uh, -car communication is something that that we have invented actually some time ago, and uh, we we think is, is a great step forward in vehicle safety. So cars are commun communicating with other cars uh, on the road, um, and thus enabling one car to warn the other. Hey, I've I've had an accident behind the bend. Uh, you may not see me yet, but I'm here. And actually, I've I've just had it uh, this morning. Uh, drove down uh, down the autobahn, uh, took a right turn, and suddenly my um, my navigation system told me that there's uh, a possible danger ahead of me. And I turned around the bend, and I saw a stopped car with uh, flashing emergency lights. Um, maybe that uh, situation was not really critical, but I knew beforehand I could adapt to it. I slowed down a little bit, uh, just gave me some more time to react uh, as I should have. Uh, so I, th I think that's really a great great feature and a great example of, of swarm intelligence. But we do not stop there. I think swarm intelligence uh, can be done in other parts of uh, engineering, automotive development as well. Uh, for example, we we call it swarm intelligence, what we do on, on the streets, detecting other cars and also looking at what other cars are doing, how they behave, and we are adapting accordingly. If we go and stop and go traffic, for example, we observe how other cars behave and uh, that helps us to Uh, to have an idea of where the road is, is going, what kind of situation we are in. So that is also part of a swarm, um, other cars on the road. And I think the origin of that special function, I mean, is something you also read in the newspaper because I, I can't believe that it's still a problem to do the emergency corridor. And if I got you right, this swarm intelligence can help doing the um, emergency corridor right. I think um, that's also a very cool side of the uh, S-Class that um, once our assistance system detects that you are in a traffic jam situation, uh, the car automatically moves uh, uh, to the left or right, depending on the lane you're in, to, to improve the emergency corridor. So I think that is, uh, that is really great. And also, if you just think that chain further on, if there are other cars uh, following, uh, they might adapt to, to my new positioning and that just improves the overall uh, emergency corridor and people are then reacting to it. And yeah, that's very beneficial. That's really a good example for your 360 degrees approach. I love it. But let's keep us in mind that it's not only about safe driving. When you think about, we talked about it before, uh, autonomous driving, a vehicle also has to be comfortable, especially a flagship like the S-Class, which new ideas brought more comfort to the S-Class. Um, Maybe for seats, parking, I don't know. There are a lot of things which can be more comfortable. <laughs> There are a hundred features I could talk about right now, but um, let's uh, let's focus on like 
first of all, the overall NVH of the S-Cluster, like we call it noise vibration harshness, is, is just fantastic. And we always put a lot of effort in, in really having a benchmark product uh, in that field. So, uh, but like you mentioned, what is making it more comfortable? Again, the EABC like um, has the opportunity to make it more comfortable ride. To um, so it adapts to the to the road conditions. So it is really um, a, a fantastic element to improve the riding. Um, also, I would say the rear axle steering is a fantastic element to to improve uh, comfort because you can just uh, take a turn with the S class in a, in a way uh, a quicker way and with a shorter radius, huh? which is impressive. If, if I may add uh, my favorite feature, uh, it is called road surface scan. Um, Uh, and, and I like it very much because I'm into camera technology and, and vision uh, perception. And uh, that is one, one feature that is quite incredible. So uh, we've got a camera, a stereo camera in front of the car, and it's actually able to read the street in front of you and detect all kinds of bumps that, that are ahead of you. Uh, and if you're approaching one of those bumps and it can actually detect them down to a few millimeters, then uh, the e-active body control that Oliver just mentioned will actively lift the wheels to accommodate for that bump. So imagine you've, if you've ever seen professional ski drivers going down the slope, you, you never see their upper body move while their legs are moving all the time. And that's actually what the S-Class can do. So it's again a feature for a superhero car. I love it. <laughs> But um, one question left when we talk about the, the camera and the radar systems, um, a big problem for a lot of camera systems is to recognize um, people on the street, for example. Um, is it working better right now with the new S-Class? Can, can those systems really recognize here is someone on the street and I have to maybe I have to warn the driver that he should, should break or something like that? I can assure you that it works. Uh, I've just seen it yesterday. It was not a really critical situation, but actually yesterday my car warned me that there was somebody standing on the crosswalk, uh, standing on the side of the road, and there was a, a cross crosswalk, and the car just reminded me to, to stop because somebody wanted to cross the street. So uh, yes, the car did detect the pedestrian, and it also detected that there was a pedestrian crossing, and it told me that, uh, hey, Chris, look <laughs> out, stop right now. That's what you're... You should do. So, uh, yes, that works quite well, uh, whether it's uh, pedestrians or cyclists. Um, and it's not only in, in front of you. As I told you before, we uh, also detect uh, pedestrians or cyclists coming from the rear of the car um, that are maybe prone to run into your door. So, um, yes, we try to look all around the car. And I'm not saying that we can detect uh, 100% of the situations, but definitely more than, than you would imagine. Especially parking, I think, with the new park assist and the way uh, the system now recognizes uh, pedestrians moving objects, uh, this really makes the, the whole parking experience to some extent more relaxing because, uh, you know, the system also uh, gives you a, a benefit and uh, has a further safety net. And that's a really, really impressive feature that we have uh, now implemented. In the last S-Class special about the new MBUX, we were talking about the fast-changing customer wishes, and that's why the engineers and designers have to, like, let's say, kind of look into the future because a car is normally something which is used over a period of time. In your case, I see a big challenge in terms of 
um, constantly changing laws and requirements. How do you deal with that fact in terms of developing and updating systems? My favorite example is uh, traffic sign assist. Uh, we, when I drove through Stuttgart <laughs> with a, a prototype of the new S-Class, and uh, there's this new traffic sign, 30 and 40 in Stuttgart. Stuttgart is a perfect test field, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, directly in front of our door. And uh, I just uh, ran through the city and uh, I saw that our car is not recognizing uh, the, the, the sign properly for the new uh, 30 and 40 in, in different time frames. Uh, so I, I, I made a picture of it and sent it to Christoph and said, hey, Christoph, what's, uh, what's the issue? Yeah? And I think he should follow up. Yeah? Uh, yeah, that is actually quite tr tricky. Of course, uh, rules are ever-changing and we have to monitor those. Traffic signs is really a tricky one because they pop up overnight, basically. And sometimes they pop up where they shouldn't pop up. And sometimes uh, people putting up the traffic signs may not know all the rules themselves, uh, especially when it's just temporary signs in, in construction sites or so. So sometimes it's really tricky for the car to understand uh, how to read a certain a traffic sign. Sometimes they're actually mounted the way uh, the wrong way around so uh, so we try to do everything that our system can uh, can deal with those situations but sometimes to be honest uh, the best option is to just call the next uh, local authority to tell them that they should move their traffic sign or turn it the right way around or something uh, and and uh, yes in situations we've also done that and it proved to be the easiest way really they did it you just give gave them a call and they did it Uh, yeah, in occasions when, when it was actually uh, quite clear that that sign was put up in a, in a wrong space at the wrong position, mounted in a, in a wrong height, or as I said, the wrong way around, well then, you know, that, that's what happens when people mount a lot of, of signs, uh, errors can occur. And they were actually, uh, we, we started with a very interesting discussion uh, on the phone and we continued about uh, how, how traffic signs, what they should look like, how they should be mounted. To, to cope for mod modern uh, driving assistance systems. I'm really happy to hear that because in my opinion, it's so important that not only um, the mobility providers are working together with all the technology um, companies, but also yeah, the, the politics is involved in this, let's say, ecosystem of mobility. So it's a very good example. Thanks for the sharing that. Um, I think we really clearly pointed out that the new S-Class is innovated in a 360-degree approach, and there are really some smart and intelligent uh, systems in there. But let's have um, a quick look in our, in our future. Speaking of the new technology, AI, 3D printing, supercomputers, uh, these are, uh, technologies apply intelligence per se. What will be possible in the future if these technologies are distributed widely? I would say there's uh, no end to imagination. Um, we are already using a lot of that te technology. Um, artificial intelligence is, is our daily life. 3D printers, we use them all the time. And of course, new new tools come up uh, all the time. And, and uh, most of the time, we we look at them and, and uh, try to figure out how we can use them to make our lives and especially the lives of our um, of our customers better. But then sometimes we figure out that actually um, doing it the old traditional way, actually sitting in the car and driving around and figuring out what it feels like is still the best way to do it. So it's always a mixture, really. And still reading newspaper <laughs> to get some inspiration. 
sure, we're looking everywhere. Papers, TV, podcasts. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very, very good uh, tip from your side. Speaking of podcasts, at the end of each podcast episode, we would like to take a look into the future. So I want to know, um, what is your wish for traveling in terms of mobility in the future? What is missing, should be invented, or what should be more widely distributed, distributed Oliver? Um, <laughs> you got me with that one. Um, I would say to to have even more driving assistance systems in the car that further give you relief and so you can relax and uh, have an even more comfortable ride. I think any innovation in that field really will will change the way we travel. I could imagine that. Yeah, it's a it's a very good wish. I can underline it. Um, my motivation to go into automotive industry and to take care of safety actually was when I was living in a small village and my, my grandma, when, when she turned, I don't know, maybe 80, uh, she wasn't allowed basically to drive anymore. She said, I don't feel safe anymore. I, I shouldn't drive anymore. Living in a small village with a bus going into town like three days, uh, three times a day, it was quite awful for her because she lost part of her personal freedom. And, and, and there was one of the moments where I said, I, I, I want to work in an industry that makes sure that individual mobility is sustainable, that people can use it, uh, that will extend their scope. It will give them personal freedom. And of course, working in safety, making cars ever safer with more driving assistance systems, but also with better airbag technologies, better structures and so on. That makes makes individual mobility more sustainable, safer, and thus more and more people uh, can profit from it. And so my ideal world would be give those grannies a chance to drive themselves again. <laughs> uh, my, my grandma would love your answer. <laughs> She always has that problem as well. I mean, we're living in a, my grandma is living in a small village as well. And that's really a good point to um, do the democratization of Mobility. It's so important that everyone can join the mobility and, of course, even more in the future. Thank you for all your great insights. I learned a lot about safety features and I understood that it's really tricky to develop it um, because there are so many complex aspects you have to keep in mind. Thanks for all your insights and we will take a further look into our future in the upcoming episode, the next episode of our S-Class special. So if you don't want to miss the next episode, subscribe our podcast, Let's Talk Mercedes. And of course, we'd love to hear your feedback. So leave a rating and a comment. Thanks for tuning in. Drive carefully. Bye-bye.